For The Daily Princetonian, I'm Mark Dodici. You're listening to Daybreak. It has been quite the week for Princeton students. Just four days ago, hundreds of juniors were given their time slots for a special room draw. Now, the idea of picking a dorm and spending September on campus is a distant, wistful memory. How did we get here? Well, two days ago, amid a growing tide of worry across the nation surrounding schools reopening amid the ongoing pandemic, Princeton announced that the fall 2020 semester will be entirely virtual. Those juniors and the class of 2024, originally invited for the semester in an early July announcement, were told to stay home. We'll dive into that more in a minute, but first, your top stories from the week. Earlier this week, massive explosions rocked Beirut in an incident which killed at least 154 people. The aftermath of the blasts, which likely were worsened by nearly 3,000 tons of explosive ammonium nitrate stored in a warehouse for six years, has seen dramatic protests against the Lebanese government. Many see the explosions as the latest result of corrupt, negligent national leadership, and as such have stormed several government buildings, clashing with security forces and violent incidents. A small number of legislators have resigned, and the Prime Minister has recognized the protests in calling for early elections, leading some to believe that the blasts and ensuing demonstrations could be a catalyst for a drastic change in Lebanon's political sphere. The US has once again placed tariffs on Canadian aluminum, which had been lifted last year, on the grounds of protecting national industry. The announcement came from the White House on Thursday, and Canada retaliated on Friday, instating a supposedly equal and opposite tariff. Though Trump called the initial move, quote, absolutely necessary to defend our aluminum industry, unquote, Canadian officials worry that it will hurt economic recovery from the pandemic on both sides. On Friday, Trump also instated sanctions on 11 Chinese officials, including several key figures in Hong Kong, in the latest of a series of escalations between Washington and Beijing since a controversial national security law went into effect at the end of June. The new policy freezes assets of the individuals in the United States. Trump also banned U.S. companies from working with Chinese tech giants WeChat and ByteDance, the owner of TikTok. Just yesterday, Trump used executive power to try to work around Congress and implement various pandemic relief efforts, as partisan talks over a new package appeared to be breaking down. The president's measures include an eviction ban, payroll tax suspension, student loan relief, and $400 per week of unemployment benefits though it's unclear whether or not he has the power to instate such policies unilaterally. Across the nation, as coronavirus cases haven't slowed as much as many expected even a month ago, colleges are reversing decisions on reopening for the fall. Princeton is one of the latest dominoes to fall on Friday telling juniors and first years who plan to be on campus that they should make other arrangements. Here to discuss the sudden reversal is Zach Shevin, a Prince Head News Editor and a classmate of mine in the great class of 2022. Thanks so much for joining us. Thanks for having me, Mark. So this, this is obviously a pretty sudden announcement. They were in the midst of announcing plans for restrictions and reopening procedures just this past week. So what was up? Why now? Yeah, it's that's a very, very interesting question. And you really you really hit the nail on the head there in terms of how sudden this was. Literally a day before this announcement was made, the university sent out information to students 
explaining sort of travel restrictions and, and their expectation that students coming to campus would stay within the Mercer County area. And it was sort of like, throughout the past couple of weeks, we've been getting more information about how the school is going to reopen, what they're going to do. And then obviously the very sudden shift of first years, juniors no longer being invited back. In their announcement, was there any indication of where this reversal might be coming from? Mm -hmm. Well, I think a lot of it has to do with New Jersey's restrictions and sort of, in some sense, less optimism about New Jersey loosening its restrictions. So, for example, two weeks ago, we saw in the town hall with parents and families that uh, VP Calhoun and Dean Dolan hosted, they spoke a lot about different areas reopening. And I remember at one point, they mentioned in regards to um, Dylan Jim, which was not allowed to reopen when New Jersey was in phase two, but would be able to reopen once New Jersey enters phase three. There seemed to be a lot of sort of optimism and hope there of hopefully by the time that we get to phase three, we'll be ready to reopen it. And like, we expect that to happen early in the semester. And so a lot of this might have to do with just recent rises in cases in New Jersey. So on that topic, what are other schools in the state and around the country doing nowadays? Mm -hmm. So Princeton's not the first uh, school to make this kind of reversal in New Jersey. The first one came on August 3rd, the College of New Jersey, very close by to the university in Mercer County in Trenton, made the decision to shift to completely remote instruction after previously anticipating reopening the school. We saw similar things in, at Drew University and St. Peter's University, further north up in the state. And then across the country, a lot of these you know, shifts have been happening of some schools, um, John, Johns Hopkins notably, going to all remote instruction after previously anticipating otherwise. Uh, within the Ivy League, you have University of Pennsylvania who still anticipates bringing back some students but those plans very recently were pretty drastically scaled down from what had been previously anticipated. So it's sort of a pretty wide ranging phenomenon. Who can come to campus now? Do we know anything about that? Yeah, so even though obviously this is a drastic shift with the two class years no longer being, being invited back, the university is accommodating some people. So graduate students, for example, including first year incoming graduate students are welcome back to campus. The university is going to continue to accommodate students who were previously approved to return, whether it's for senior thesis work, as well as, to quote the letter, those whose, quote, situations make it extremely difficult or impossible for them to return or to study from home. So even when the university was anticipating just bringing back two class years, there were, they, they had an application process for some seniors and sophomores as well uh, to apply to get housing on campus for extenuating circumstances and whatnot. Much and like so, what happened in the spring. Mm -hmm, exa exactly what happened in the spring. And so because that process already occurred for uh, seniors and sophomores, you know, it, it's who was already pre-approved there. And then for, for the first years and juniors who were expecting to be on campus, there's going to be another similar application process for students to be able to live on campus. And this emergency residency that was sort of similar to what was offered in the spring, it is open to international students, but it is not open to first year international students because there will be no in-person instruction. To quote a FAQ sent out from Dean Dolan to international students, residency on campus will not meet the requirement for in-person instruction. So 
this is a shift that's going to affect basically half of the student body. What sort of accommodations are being made for students who won't be able to be back on campus, who are expecting to be back on campus, considering the lateness of this reversal? Yeah, so as I mentioned before, there is the application for emergency residency. There's also a few other uh, deadlines that were upcoming or deadlines that are already passed that are being pushed back in light of this new news. So previously, the uh, deadline to request a leave of absence was August 1st. They pushed that back to August 12th. They've also pushed, if you want to, for first year students, defer your admission a year. That's also a deadline pushed back to August 12th. It'll be interesting to see what happens there. Um, and then in terms of other accommodations, the university has its uh, safety net fund that's supposed to provide access and financial support for any essential needs not covered for any sort of reason you might need to fulfill your education. If you need anything to get access to a computer, for example, that you wouldn't have had issues with on campus, the university has a survey you could fill out for that as well. So this, as I think we've made clear, is pretty sudden, pretty drastic for about half of the student body. What have the last 48 hours been like for students around the country and around the world? Yeah, it's, it's a lot of, uh, I'd say, last minute planning from a lot of people. For me personally, it's just, it was canceling a flight. Um, but I know a lot, of, a lot of different people are thinking about whether they want to stay at home now, whether they want to try to find another option another place to live. I know there was a recent, covered by the national news pretty recently, there's, there's these two Princeton alums who are trying to start bubbles for, for college students to live in on, on sort of their, their large hotels in Arkansas and Hawaii. That's one option, I guess, but I, I think there are a lot of, um, yeah, people are just kind of trying to, trying to navigate with this sudden news, just sort of replanning their next couple of weeks, replanning their semester and figuring out where am I going to go? What am I going to do? That's all for Daybreak this week. Be sure to tune in again next Sunday for the latest in Princeton news and an overview of the week's events on Daybreak, available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or on dailyprincetonian.com. Our show is produced under the 144th Managing Board of the Prince, and our theme was composed and performed by Ed Horan, Class of 22. For the Daily Princetonian, I'm Mark Dudici. Stay safe and have a wonderful week.